you hire someone and you don't consider them as a real employee wherever they sit, then then you're making a big mistake. This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. Picture yourself spending four weeks with other high level entrepreneurs in the northern mountains of Thailand, October 26th to November 24th, 2017. It will be full of masterminds, workshops, advisors, like-minded entrepreneurs, and of course, some fun adventure. Currently, we are offering a special early bird discount of $400 for only 10 people. Once they're filled, they're gone. Don't wait on this one, guys. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to contact us ASAP at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now, on to today's episode. Today, listeners, we are joined by an outsourcing and management master, Mads Singers. Mads operates out of Davao, Philippines, running a 50-person team, managing businesses and the day-to-day tasks for entrepreneurs all around the world. On the show today, Mads shares the keys to building a strong outsourced team, how to handle different communication styles, and where many entrepreneurs lack when it comes to letting go of tasks. Any entrepreneur that wants to learn about outsourcing and management can learn something from this show. And without further ado let's welcome Mads to the show hey Chris thank you for having me and I'm doing fantastic as always and you're calling in from the Philippines today is that correct what city are you in I'm in Davao right now so it's southern Philippines so let's dive into the show and chat more about you and what you have going on and Mads is the outsourcing and management magician. Yes. <laughs> he's going to share with us today uh, kind of how he got his start and then what he's doing today. So we'll let you have the mic, my friend, and take it away. Fantastic. Yeah, so I mean, I started out about six, seven years ago. Uh, I worked corporate in IBM in, in outsourcing management. And at that point, I'd spent a lot of time getting to know, learning more about management. And and I started to coach other people. So initially it was corporate, so it would be like colleagues and people sort of working around companies nearby where I lived and so on. And I really, really enjoyed working with other people. Yeah, that's about six, seven years ago or so now. And uh, basically what I've changed since then is I've basically moved from coaching corporate people to coaching entrepreneurs. It's pretty much the same in many aspects. I mean, the the stuff I coach is the same. The main difference is if I teach 10 people in Coca-Cola to be much better managers, it's not like I see Coca-Cola totally blow up overnight. Whereas when I work with entrepreneurs and and I really help them, you you see business sometimes 5x or 10x in a a shorter period of time, which is obviously, yeah, it gives them much more fulfilling uh, feeling. So I really love working with entrepreneurs. and, And also... What I love about entrepreneurs in general is they're always wanting to learn. They're always wanting to better themselves, right? Uh, and sometimes some of the corporate people I've, I've worked with, I mean, they've, they've looked for a coach, but but a lot of the time they, they haven't necessarily had the same drive to really improve and get better that I feel most of the entrepreneurs have. So that the coaching have really been, been my foundation for where I am now. One of the things, after I, I left my corporate job in IBM, I, I moved to the Philippines. And one of the things I saw with all these entrepreneurs that I was working with was that they had a really, really big problem in growing their business and scaling their business. And since I was here live, since I had in my in my corporate career, I had hired hundreds and hundreds of people, I, I basically started doing just that here. 
so I basically started an outsourcing company and currently I have about 50 people here in Davao and basically what we do is we help companies basically build a a different location here right so we we, we don't work as much with home-based people we primarily work with people that are here in an office and who's really helping clients anywhere else in the world right so what we try for the clients that we have that have let's say four five six people or more and basically we build a separate op- office location for them here so that the that their team sits in a in a private office and so on and and really make it like really build it as a, a team for that client right um, obviously for the client that have less people there they're sitting in part of a, a larger group but but really the the core aspects that I've focused on here is is really being able to provide the right working facilities because what what I really spent a lot of time on was analyzing what went wrong so I've had a VA myself since 2007 which is that's 10 years now uh, and what I could see went wrong very typically was was these people disappearing uh, different communication mistakes uh, issues with equipment at home like computers or internet connection or power or anything like that and uh, that that was really yeah that, that was really some of the main issues that I just saw uh, happen again and again and that was why I, I I figured out out set up in a specifically in an office location so that so that those issues would sort of be be mitigated. That's really cool. How many individual offices then do you have? So right now we have one, two, three, four. we have four sort of smaller offices, and then we have one larger one where we have a, a bigger pool of people sitting. How long ago did you start the business, Matt? So the outsourcing business is about three, four years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about three years ago, yeah. So basically entrepreneurs are reaching out to you to have a good team that's already set up and established to do the miscellaneous work that they need to do. Yeah, and, and one of the key things, I mean, one of the key things with, with what we do is really the fact that we actually help with the management of the people as well right mm-hmm. a lot of the time entrepreneurs they don't have the experience and that was one of the things i saw they don't have much experience with managing people and when you don't have that experience and you then add the sort of the, the factor of being remote in the into the top of that then it, that's often what drives some of the challenges that people have had so so we we help manage the people we uh, help a lot with the communication and so on and um, basically both to grow the, the clients sort of awareness and how to work with the VAs but but also really just to make sure that they can focus more on on giving the tasks and the VA are, are generally ready to work and so on right so we, we try and take away all that sort of hassle and all the problems that that people have have had in the past. What are some of those bigger problems that you see entrepreneurs having when they work with outsourcers and some of the things that you handle specifically? Mostly, I mean, number one is that they tend to treat VAs very different than they would a normal employee. Hmm. Um, and, and that's, uh, I don't really understand how that works or why that comes about, but, but they do. And, and really, if you, if you hire someone and you don't consider them 
as a real employee wherever they sit, then then you're making a big mistake, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if someone sits in Dallas or in Philadelphia or in, in the Philippines. I mean, if they're part of your company, you have to, to always treat them like that, right? Um, and, and if you don't do that, you're, you're going to end up with them having uh, a very different input to your business, right? You, you're not going to get the same value out of people if you're, if you're treating them as a process executor or someone that you just hand stuff and it happens, right? I mean, if you're, if you're not communicating with them regularly, if you're not managing them as, as an individual in the business, your, your output will generally just be less. And what are some things, Mads, that you've learned personally about communicating and interacting with people? Because you're managing a large team. You know, this is 50 people. And then you're helping the flow of communication from these entrepreneurs to go to the people that are working with you. And so what are some important things that you've learned about just communicating, especially, you know, through those two different cultures and mindsets, yeah, so in terms of communication, uh, I, one of the things that I've spent a lot of time learning when, when I worked corporate and management was was something called DISC, which is really a communication tool, but the, the fundamentals of DISC is really understanding people's behavior, understanding people's natural tendencies, and basically how they interact, how they're motivated, how they communicate, and so on, and really that's one of the things that helped me become very good in management in the first place. And it's one of the things that have really helped me establishing a business and being successful both with clients, but also the, particularly with all my employees. And and that's something that I use a lot in my coaching. And, and I've actually started doing a sort of an info, info product training on it. So basically putting together a, a video course uh, explaining disc and how to how to work with different behaviors and and it, it's something that I mean when I first learned it it was it was a big big eye-opener because I I tend to look at most people thinking and being the same way as me which was obvious it wasn't the case but I always looked at people and thought what would that person want based on how I think mm. right and, and learning DISC really enabled me to, to help how other people th- were thinking, right? Uh, just one, one, one great example is, I mean, some people, if you have a, a big company with hundreds of people, some people love getting up in front of everyone and getting some sort of reward. And, and others would, would rather quit the job than, than be in that situation, right? <laughs> right. Um, no, I mean, it's a very, very serious scenario. And, and the thing is, if you don't know who's who, you might be making some very big mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you actually understand what motivates different people and so on, you, you really have a, a huge, huge benefit as a, as a business owner or as a manager. You, you really have a huge benefit, right? Be- because you can push the right buttons with the right people. Uh, similarly, a lot of people think, oh, pay raise, that must be the end all be all for everyone. And, and while most people enjoy getting a pay raise, there's, there's definitely people that are, are extremely motivated with it and there's people that are like oh yeah that was nice but it doesn't it's not really what pushed their buttons right right um 
so un- understanding those sort of differences is is definitely uh, definitely beneficial. But but the main piece for me is really around communication and how to interact with people, and and that's not just the colleagues and and the people you work work with, but that's as well when you're when you're doing sales, or when you're talking with clients and so on. I mean, understanding how their their personality, how they think, how they uh, how they prefer to interact. I mean, again, some people much prefer emailing back and forward than jumping on a call. Some people are the opposite, right? They'll, I mean, someone like you, for example, you love talking to people, whether it's face-to-face or on a phone or, or the likes, right? Right. Uh, and and you're very comfortable doing that. So so knowing that alone, I wouldn't sit and write big emails and sending back and forth to you because I knew you would much prefer that I pick up the phone and, and give you a call, mm. right? Right. So... So that, that's just some, some, some of the high-level examples of, of that. Are you enjoying today's episode? I hope so. We're working hard to pick the minds of higher-level entrepreneurs to bring you some applicable tactics for your business. October 26th through November 24th, we will have our most impactful event ever, four weeks in the northern mountains of Thailand with other successful entrepreneurs that have six and seven figures in annual revenue in their businesses. The experience includes private accommodations, workshops, masterminds, advisors, high-speed Wi-Fi at a beautiful resort complex. And for our listeners, we have a special $400 early bird discount for only 10 people. Once they're filled, they're gone. So if you're ready to seriously take your business to the next level, contact us at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now back to the show. So does DISC stand for something? Uh, it, it, it doesn't actually. What, what it really, DISC is really, a, it, it's really an acronym that's based on the four different types of personalities within DISC. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's not really a, yeah, it's not, it's not a, a cool word or anything like that. <laughs> but okay. uh, it, it's basically just known as the DISC behavioral model. Can you share those? Yes, I can indeed. So D stands for dominant. And that's really uh, about the personality, right? So, mm-hmm. so the very dominant person is the the kind of person that's very sort of, you know, very sharp elbows, very competitive, um, sort of very very driven personality, right? That's that's the, the D profile. Then you have the I profile, which is the the influencer, and that's the sort of the typical salespeople. Okay. And then S generally stand for steadiness, and that's that's sort of people, those people that that like uh, not like, but the people that care a lot more about other people and care about themselves. You know, they they love everyone sitting down in a group and having a big group hug and so on. And then the C's are the very conscientious people, and that's the the type of. Um, yeah, what would you say, like accountants and programmers and sort of the very detail-oriented, very nerdy people. That's that's generally the, the C. So that's basically the, the sort of the, the four sort of main characters or the main roles described in DISC. So based on what you know of me, which which quadrant do I fall in? So you're you're dominant and and influence. So basically, the the, the main piece of your personality is you love attention, uh, even if it's not necessarily for something very amazing. I mean, you you generally like attention. You are generally very enthusiastic. You're a very optimistic person. Uh, you love winning, and you you like you like the company of other people, 
but you're also you're also thinking quite a bit about about effectiveness, right? So you're you're also the type of person that's that sort of you you know how to get stuff done, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. In which quadrant are you in, Mads? I am totally opposite you. So I'm naturally a C and a S. Interesting. So I used something similar to this for about ten years now, and yeah. um, it helps with like communication and put people in different quadrants. and And we use this method. Maybe we'll we'll just walk through it. If you were to pick two words, Mads, uh, formal or dominant, which one would be your word? Formal. Okay. And if you were to pick flow with or easygoing, which one would be yours? E- easy going okay and so basically based on the answers you put people into four different quadrants also similar to disc um, whether they're a controller supporter promoter or analyzer and it's actually very similar to this and so you know the supporters are the people that um, are kind of the charity workers the easygoing the, the more hippie types the the people that are kind of like, yeah, take everything. Everything is going to be fine, relaxing. So you think Costa Rica, think people from Philippines, you think people from Hawaii. These are the supporters around the world. And then we actually do this in the entrepreneur house. And then you have the controllers, which are the more formal dominant people. And they're the CEOs, the alpha type people, the people that um, if you think countries, you would think USA or Russia or China. And then you have the promoters, which are generally the salespeople, the marketers of the world. And those fit into like, they they buy into this really big, awesome idea, but they don't necessarily know how to do it. So yeah, let's travel the world. Yeah, let's throw this huge party. Yeah, you know, these are the people, the socialites. And and they they often lack the execution. Exactly. But they never know, rarely know how they're going to execute things. And then you have the analyzers, which are the... um, the more the techie type, the accountants, like you mentioned, the coders, the programmers, developers. And so what we do, similar to what you're doing, is figure out how to communicate to people in each quadrant, so then you'll be a much better communicator, bottom line. And so, for example, a long time ago, I was in the mortgage business, and I had a boss who was completely controller. And what you do with controllers is instead, if you come into work on Monday morning and you ask the a controller, how was their weekend? They think you're being lazy. If you come into work Monday morning and ask a controller, what's, what's on task for this week? What are we doing? What are we doing today? They think you're a hard worker just automatically. So it's little subtle, subtle things that can kind of change that communication. I imagine you teach a very, very similar thing. The key thing is really understanding exactly as you're saying, really understanding how do other people think mm-hmm. and and trying to adapt your communication more towards that, right? Yeah. So what, one of the simple ones we use as, as well as, a, again, I would say it's sort of the, the dominant and controllers for you, from your side, for example. I mean, they're very much about effectiveness and, yeah, they don't do like all this, how are you, uh, all that talk, right? But even simple things as using people's names, they will very mm. often not because for them, that's a waste of time. I'm talking to you. I know who you are. I don't need to say, say hi, Chris. I just <laughs> say hi. 
that's saving seconds, right? Yeah. No, but but that's the way they think. And when you read their emails, and so so I basically go through all these different uh, different com- communication uh, methods and so on, and how these different people communicate in those different ways and so on. But but it sounds pretty similar. So, well. What what's the what's the name of the model that you're using? I don't know if there's I don't know an actual name. Let me see if I can pull it up. No, I've, I mean, I've I've worked with a lot of these behavioral tools. So I've worked with one called Myers Briggs as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's about two or three others that I've worked a lot with, but but the one that I've found by far the most powerful is 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 Disk, right? Okay. Um, and I've I mean since I, I started really focusing on Disk, I mean. I'm I'm in the situation like when I meet someone like when I've spoken with a person for ten to twenty seconds like I can often tell them more about themselves than mm-hmm. than they know right um, and and that's I mean the, the the ability I have now to to read people wherever that's from from a conversation like we have or if it's a physical meeting or even from emails <laughs> is uh, I mean it's it's so extremely powerful. Now, have you found yourself, and I'm sure you have working with this, but found parts of your own personality as you grow fits in different quadrants of DISC? No. Uh, no. So, so okay. the, the essence of DISC is basically your personality is who you are when you don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Right? So the thing is, like, I, for example, I, I can pretend to be much more assertive. Right, like I, I can pretend to be much more people focused. For example, I can walk into a crowd and throw up my arms and be like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" And I can do all that stuff, right? And I can get more comfortable with doing that stuff, but it's not natural. Mm, if okay. if I don't think about it, if I don't make a, a mental effort to do it, I I'm gonna sit down and and sit and look at my computer or do something else because right. that's natural tendency. Right. Right. So, so you can force yourself into anything, right? I mean, you can be pretend to be the wildest sales guy if you want to, <laughs> but but the thing is, just the benefit is when you put yourself into those situations, you become less uncomfortable with it. But there's a big difference between being less uncomfortable with something and being natural comfortable yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree completely. So, so the clients that you have, are you? walking them through this process to help them communicate with their staff or um yeah so okay. so I, I mean my my coaching is obviously based on sessions and i mean the that i'd say the training for this stuff is 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 a bit more than yeah two three four hours perhaps sometimes right so so it's not something i walk them through step by step but i basically use it first to teach them about themselves and the core reason behind that is is really to understand. For for me, each individual need to understand what they're really really good at, and what they need to let go of. Mm. Right. So that's that's the first step, because one of the things that most entrepreneurs are stuck in is that they're spending a lot of time doing stuff that they're not good at, which drains their energy and which takes a ton of time because they're not good at it, uh, and therefore. Yeah, it kills them. It kills the business, right? So outsourcing can be many things, but the first thing you have to get rid of is the stuff that you're not good at, right? What are some ways, Mads, that you, that you could help people let go of things? So, you know, say an entrepreneur is just really, <laughs> it, 
he has to do his accounting, right? But he's, he's horrible at it. But he's just so worried about giving that to somebody else. Like, so, so what would be the process of helping somebody let go of something like that? Yeah, so, I mean, again, accounts is a great thing, right? Some people are great at it. Mm-hmm. Some people even become stronger from doing it. Like, if you're very, very great with numbers and spreadsheets and stuff, actually doing your own accounts, at least in the beginning, can actually be a bit of a benefit because if you are good at all these numbers and stuff and you understand all the numbers, where they come from, how they're made up, it, it, makes, it, it actually helps you understand the business in a certain way, right? However, if you do not understand numbers and if you're not, I mean, even someone like you, I mean, you're decent with numbers, right? But, but you're definitely not a, uh, someone that sits and stares at Excel every, every minute of the yeah. day, right? Yeah. So, so someone like you, for example, I mean, you, you would definitely benefit from letting go of it. Right. Yeah. And and I think I think I think to be honest, I mean, accounts is one of the things that most entrepreneurs actually do get rid of because it is so common. It is so common to have an accountant or bookkeeper and so on. Right. Uh, Very very often people find someone uh, outside the company to do that role. Right. Right. So a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable with one of their employees knowing how much money they make and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So very often that accountant or the, the bookkeeper is from either an external company or they're sort of a freelancer or something like that, uh, which which I see very, very common. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and we I mean, we help a lot of clients with with a lot of sort of basic bookkeeping and um particularly a lot of them with, you know, all these receipts and stuff. So we have a lot of clients that just have have an app on their phone. They take a photo every time they have a, get a receipt and they go into our, our system and we basically, uh, yeah, we basically put it into the system straight away and so on. But that means they never ever have to run around and try and keep track of all these receipts and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I could use a system like that. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, my friend. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you, you mentioned this earlier. You talked briefly about you used to work with kind of professional employees, but hired people or CEOs or top management. And now you're working a lot with entrepreneurs. And so I'm kind of curious. I have this theory about the difference between the mentality. You know, you have a lot of these um, Ivy League educated businessmen with like master's degrees and MBAs that are running different companies, these large companies and corporations throughout the world. And then you have the uh, straight up, you know, entrepreneur, bootstrap entrepreneur that kind of started from nothing. And there's a bit of overlap there in the mentalities, but there's also some division. So I'm kind of curious what you've seen as opposed to the difference in mentalities between those CEOs and highly paid professionals that are running corporations up against the entrepreneur that has built a business from scratch to say seven, eight figure business. Yeah. I I would say when I look at the corporates first, I would say they're generally much better and understand much more the importance of building systems and processes. Mm, Right. Okay. So like when I worked in IBM, for example, or when I've worked in companies like Xerox and big, big American companies, right? And and definitely most people, most executives and, and most managers really understand the value of building these systems, building the processes rather than just let's do this thing, let's do that thing, right? So so that's one of the things I see. What I see though is they're a lot less risk takers. 
right? Good point. Which is naturally why they are not entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right. A lot of them. Um, that the thing is, what one of the things that that's common for, yeah, I was about to say everyone I've ever coached, is that most people still work to a paycheck that's zero by the end of the month. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, I've coached managers that earn very good salaries. I've coached entrepreneurs that earn a lot of money, and. <laughs> In the end of every month, there's zero left, right? So I would say one one of the commonalities between these people is that they are generally not great at managing money. And I, I put a lot of the blame on that into our education system and probably the way the, the world works. But but one of the things that that, that most of the people that, that I've coached can, can really benefit from is really learning to understand money and, and learning to understand investments and, and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Because... I mean, whatever you do, right? I don't, I don't care if you're unemployed. If if you save up zero in the end of every month, then then you're you're not making it easier for yourself going forward. Yeah. Right? And and just because you're making, I don't know, five hundred thousand or a million a year or or ten million for that sake, if you're just increasing your spending, buying bigger house, buying bigger cars, and all that sort of stuff, then uh, I mean. You put yourself in a position where you keep running faster and faster and faster throughout life, mm-hmm. just to keep up with your with your payments, right? Exactly. In, instead of actually putting yourself in the opposite situation, which is you basically enable yourself to work less and less and less, yeah. which which is the way that makes the most sense, in, in my opinion, at least. What are some 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 tips or some advice that you give to helping entrepreneurs manage money better? First of all, definitely the sort of the understanding. I mean, again, it depends. People are at different levels, right? So, so the first thing for for entrepreneurs is is really making sure they understand cash flow, and and some people have very cash flow uh, intense businesses. So, like product businesses, like a lot of the people I coach, they they maybe have an Amazon store or something, and when you're constantly turning inventory and you're, you're constantly battling with with low cash flow right you you really really need to understand cash flow big time right because if the, the better you can plan the better you can order up front and all that the the, the much better returns you get right um, on the opposite side that there's people with SaaS businesses that makes I don't know 100x what they're spending right and and for them cash flow doesn't mean that much because if you're making a hundred thousand a month and you're spending two thousand in expenses the whole cash flow situation becomes a bit yeah less important if you right. will. <laughs> um and that's and, and i i have different people that i coach in in those different situations right but but generally for me i mean understanding cash flow and and really understand some of those basic concepts is is absolutely key very good how long have you been in davao so i've been living in davao by now probably three four years or so um i was spending most of my time here so i'd say about nine months a year i'm here and then i travel around in in the rest of southeast asia and once in a while, I have to go a trip back to Europe or something, but uh, but I usually try and spend most of my time out here in Asia. What do you like about Davao? 
Well, what I love about Philippines in general is the same as, as I love at rest of Asia, like the, the culture and the friendliness, but, but Philippines specifically, I, I love the fact that you can actually communicate with local people. Like a lot of the guys I know, they're happy going to a place like Thailand or Vietnam and uh, being in a place where you can't really communicate with the locals, but as long as there's lots of uh, other other fellow travelers around. But I mean, for, for me, a lot of experience of traveling and living in different countries is really about getting to know a lot of local people. And, and generally in the Philippines, that's significantly easier because there, there is a much higher level of English. And then I would say Davao specifically, uh, because it's nowhere near as touristy as, as the rest of the Philippines, which is which means it's a little bit more like you don't bump into another white guy every five minutes you're walking around <laughs> on the street and so on. Um, and again, it comes back to the same, right? But that's uh, that's what I like about Davao the most. And then obviously, I mean, the, the good thing here is that the temperature is very, very stable. So generally between 28 and 32 degrees. And that basically means that you have a very consistent climate. So some countries, you know, you go, go up and down a lot, which makes it harder to get used to. But uh, here it's very, very consistent, which works good for me. It, it's more about the fact of like learning different cultures and so on. I mean, yeah. I've lived in about five or six different countries for, for longer periods of time now. And, and no matter where I live, I mean, I've lived in the UK and, and Ireland and so on. And I mean, I don't... I don't see the point in living in a foreign country if you don't spend a, a, a certain amount of time actually interacting with that country and that culture. What's the living expenses like there? So I would say in general, I spend probably about two grand a month, um, me, me and my girlfriend together. Um, so so generally, it's not too expensive. I mean, I, I'd say that the housing is about three, four hundred dollars a month for like we we have a two bedroom flat in a condo area so two bedroom flat swimming pool um, a gym and yeah a nice area so so that's pretty pretty decent if you were to compare it to any city any other city in the world what would you compare it to i i call it the chiang mai of the philippines the okay. main difference is there's not as many white people as there is in chiang mai yeah, no, but what what I mean really is that it, it's it's a great place for people who are starting a business, right? So it's a, similar to Chiang Mai. It's low cost. There's not too many distractions around. I mean, it's not like there's a nightclub at every corner and uh, and so on. So it's a great place for people who are starting businesses. And I mean, a lot of people that that sort of like a sort of little bit laid back lifestyle it's it's, it's a fantastic place right and i mean if if you're one of these guys that want to see a top concert every weekend or always want to go out and so on then then it's it's not a great place right unless you want to focus for a period of time but but most of the people that are here regularly uh, are the types of people that that really like to get down and get some business done and and so on yeah, it's interesting how different cities have that kind of vibe, you know, like Barcelona, Rio de Janeiro, San Diego are more the type of kind of just chill and relax and enjoy type of cities. And then you have Saigon and Davao and New York City that are more like, let's hustle, let's get things done, ambition, work, work, work. And it's cool the, yep. to have that mix up. So, All right. Well, thank you for sharing that. Mads, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners before we sign off? 
No, not a lot. I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy that's uh, that's quite different than most. So I'm uh, I'm trying to hide as well as I can on this big internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. What what I mean with that? So so basically, most of my coaching clients, most of my outsourcing clients, is basically people that that usually come to me either through my network, through the events, and through the groups I'm in, or uh, they come to me through being part of either one of my businesses. So a lot of people I've coached also have outsourcing uh, VAs with me. A lot of people that have outsourced me also get coaching from me and vice versa. Um, but generally, I'm, I am I don't do a lot in websites. Now, I am for this disc training. I'm actually building a, a, a website at the moment uh, that will be live on Monday the 24th. So I'm not sure when this episode will go live, but at least on the 24th, the, the website should be live. And that's called character-compass.com. And that's the that's the training for for disc, and then uh, else my my email mats at matsingers.com is generally a great way of reaching me on my Skype matsingers. Yeah, Mads, so, can you give us that website one more time? Yeah, character-compass.com. I'll make sure we get it included in the show notes as well. Okay, and I can give a, a testimonial for Mads. I've met him twice in person, both in Thailand and been to his presentations and workshops that he has held. And he's a true giver and he really knows what he's talking about when it comes to outsourcing and communication and working with people. He is really, really good at it. And that's something I noticed about you from the very get-go, man. That's something that struck me as really impressive about you is, you know, there was no fluff in between the words that you spoke and the things that you were teaching and you were direct and you were um, right on point at the same time, really giving to others and helping them learn so they can be better entrepreneurs. So I give you two thumbs up for sure, man. Well, that's what I love to do. Mads, I want to give you a huge thank you for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time and all your wisdom and tips and tricks that you've shared with us. Thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, we are going to sign off there. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And we hope to see you again on another episode of the Entrepreneur House podcast. And we'll see you all later. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven-figure entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day-to-day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for attendees, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, our main event will be held in Chang my Thailand. It is four weeks from October 26th to November 24th and held for six and seven figure entrepreneurs only. It will be full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, co-working, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. This event will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested and have some questions, be sure to contact us through theentrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.